Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we talk about some fantasy outlooks for some key players for the Buccaneers and take a voicemail regarding Cam Newton. But first, the NFL has proposed a player salary escrow in order to offset some 2020 expenses. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Today's episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On Bucks sent you. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story today is that the NFL has proposed a 35% of player salaries be held in escrow to help manage costs during the 2020 season, according to Tom Pelissaro of NFL Network. The NFLPA responded through executive Don Davis with a quote, basically, we told them to kick rocks saying that the players are not going to be okay with having 35% of their salaries withheld in order to offset cost with no fans in the stands. Now, I can completely understand the player's outlook on this. It is not their responsibility to offset the cost from the loss of revenue from not having fans, not having parking, not selling concessions, things like that. The NFL needs to be prepared to pay these costs on their own. We're talking about billionaire owners asking these players, and I realize a lot of them, cough, cough, Patrick Mahomes, are making a lot of money. But 35% across the board, that means we're talking 35% of undrafted rookie deals, of league minimum deals. Yeah, It's not fair for some of these players to pay you know, 35% of their salary while players making 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year are also only paying 35%. On top of that, it's not fair for these players to have to pay anything at all. Oh, absolutely. And and the the approach of kick rocks is absolutely the correct response. Uh, you're you're essentially asking these players to take a punishment, take a hit to their to their personal wallets for something that's out of their control. Like the players didn't create, you know, this situation. It's, it's one thing when you suspend a guy without pay or you you know, they take, they take their, their paychecks, they lose a bonus, or they lose their guarantees the way that Doug Martin did uh, because they conducted themselves in a way that creates, you know, a, a legal trigger to, to take place and they lose that money. But this is a situation where the players are uh, just as much, you know, uh, victims, if you want to call it that, of, of this entire situation as the owners are and the rest of the league is. And I understand that the owners are going to lose money on the top end, but Let's let's be real here. These owners have been making money hand over fist, you know, uh, off of the work of these players, and these players are well paid as well. But that number is just astronomical, and it, it kind of reminds me. It's in a different light, but in Germany, uh, German citizens pay a 19% income tax, right? And that's just flat on everything. There's 19% tax, but it's all included in the prices and everything. And but the the benefit to them is they don't have to worry about the way that Americans do. Every April, you got to file taxes and hope you don't have to pay. You know what I mean? Uh, for the most part, you kind of know what to expect. But if you got to pay some years, it's like, well, crap, I got to come out of pocket for this much money after I've been paying taxes all year. It kind of sucks a little bit. But these guys, like, 
these guys are going to lose 35% of their paycheck off the top. And then the government, the IRS is going to come after them for income tax after that too. So they're losing, when you talk about them losing money, they're losing more than 35% of their money because they still got to pay taxes off. It's not like they're going to pay 35% or get that 35% taken and then they don't have to pay taxes to the government. So it's more money than the 35% would, would actually lead you to believe. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, when you look at like baseball, hockey, basketball, these players are playing fewer games uh, because of the situation. The NFL is trying to get a full schedule. Not only are they trying to play their full schedule, but they're, this, they're introducing expanded playoff format. So some of these players are going to play more football than they ever have in their contracts and in their careers, and you're going to tell them they're making 35% less money? No, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to ask them to do so. And the, the fact that the league or the owners actually felt that they could come to the players with that uh, is ridiculous. And, I mean, the last part of this, James, for me is honestly, like, this is kind of a situation uh, that sports owners, sports management, have been creating for themselves. Because I guarantee you the pitch they're saying is, look, we're all in this together, guys. We're all, you know, the entire organization is going to lose money, is going to lose revenue. So, you know, let's spread the, the hit to everybody, not just to the, the billionaire. Let's spread the hit to everybody. Well, guess what? You didn't care. And not every owner, right? But sports owners and managers in general didn't care about that fair, equal treatment in money and pay when Scottie Pippen was trying to renegotiate his contract, Right. There are many owners and many GMs who don't care about that fair equal pay for what the production is when that third round draft pick is paying or is getting paid peanuts compared to players who are producing less than he is, right? So these owners and these GMs, they want to, you know, it's, I don't want to say play a game because they're within their legal bounds, but they want to do this thing of, well, you're legally bound to this contract, so that's what you're going to get paid. And when the time comes, we'll talk about paying you for your contributions and you don't want to get paid for loyalty. Look at Quan Alexander. Like Quan wanted to be paid a little bit for what he had already done. The Buccaneers didn't want to do that. Well, now teams like the Buccaneers are asking these players, hey, help us out here. Well, you didn't help them out and you didn't treat them fairly and, and pay them for their performance necessarily. So it's it's definitely a bad look. Yeah, and there are certainly other ways that the NFL can recoup some of the revenue. Not all of it, but some. And David, you and I were speaking off air. One of the best ways that they can do that is get rid of this exclusive deal with DirecTV. The NBA, the MLB, the NHL all offer streaming options. You can stream every game for the whole season for a price. You can buy team-specific packages where you just get all of one team's game. If with so many people having cut the cord, getting rid of DirecTV, getting rid of uh, Dish Network or, or local cable providers like Spectrum or, or whoever it is, you have to be able to reach that audience. And given the state that things are in and people not being able to go to the games, you can't tell me that people wouldn't gobble up being able to get direct tv's you know sunday ticket package on a streaming service through you know nfl.com or nfl game pass or whatever the case may be you know and being able to watch every game or being able to just watch their team from out of market it it's like printing money because people are going to be starved for this coverage and you know they don't have the option now to go to the games you know, even people that are out of town, they can't go see the Buccaneers play you know, in in Las Vegas. 
you know, they can't travel out there and, and go to the game. There are options out there asking the players to take this pay cut is just absolutely ludicrous. And it's, you know, it's going to not be passed. Any escrow conversation has to be collectively bargained. So the NFLPA is in the right on this one. It's not going to happen, but for them to ask to begin with is just absolutely absurd. So with that, uh, coming up in just a moment, we are going to talk a little bit about some fantasy rankings regarding the Buccaneers. But first, we got to talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. Of course, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. And we know how expensive some of those auto parts stores are. Not with our friends at rockauto.com. They are always reliably low on their prices, and it's the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. It's a Thursday edition here of the Locked on Bucks podcast. David Harrison and James Yarko coming at you talking a little fantasy football. Now, for those of you that have listened to us for any length of time, you know how much I love the fantasy footballers. We've had Jason Moore and Mike Wright of the footballers on our podcast before to talk Buccaneers fantasy impact, and they are reliably some of the most accurate fantasy football projectors in the business. That's, you know, I'm not just pumping their tires because I enjoy listening to them. They are legitimately always at the top when it comes to ranking players, which led David and I to um, taking a look at, at this ranking system they have. Now, what they have is called tier-based drafting. And for those of you that don't know what that is, basically they lump players in tiers. And they're saying, look, you know, you could take, you know, some, you know, if you want, say, Tyreek Hill, okay, but Devontae Adams is still on the board. They have Devontae Adams as a tier two guy, whereas Tyreek Hill is a tier three. So they're saying your return on investment is likely better with Devontae Adams than it will be on Tyreek Hill. And they use a lot of different factors with their <clears throat> with their projections they take into account the their the average draft position of the player showing what the value is you know you have guys being taken in in the fourth round the third round and the second round all in their tier four rankings so David and I were taking a little look at this and the way they have it broken down is tier one is Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas alone tier two Devonte Adams Julio Jones it's not until you get to tier three where you see the first Buccaneers name and it's Chris Godwin lumped in with Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper, and DeAndre Hopkins. One of two NFL receivers in history to start their career with six 1,000-yard seasons, Mike Evans, is all the way down at tier five, lumped in with the likes of Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham Jr., T.Y. Hilton, and A.J. Brown. T. 
tier four, the guys that Mike Evans are behind, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson, and Cooper Cup. David, I know you have some thoughts on this. Oh, I have some thoughts on this. Um, first of all, the, the level of, of disrespect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo what you said, James, to our listeners. I love these guys. I love the fantasy footballers. Having them on the show was a great time. They're great guys. They're great dudes. They've been doing this for a while. They're probably overall smarter than me on fantasy football. But, man, I cannot get over Mike Evans being grouped with guys like Calvin Ridley being behind a guy like Robert Woods. Listen, I had Robert Woods on my fantasy roster last year. Trust me when I tell you that Robert Woods is not a better fantasy option than Mike Evans. It's the only time Robert Woods was, uh, was somebody that I would start in my, put in my starting lineup over Mike Evans is when Mike Evans was out with a hamstring injury. Okay, So let's just, just leave it at that. Um, Chris Godwin being a tier three guy, listen, I don't actually hate that. Uh, I, what I do hate is the fact that Michael Thomas is tier one. So, and by himself, I think that there are other wide receivers who deserve to be in that tier one com- conversation. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins in a vacuum to me is the best wide receiver in the National Football League. However, with his transition to a new team, a new scheme, a new quarterback, um, the fact that I'm not extremely high on his quarterback, I can, I can live with him being a tier two guy if, if he has to be, but Tier one is definitely better or more than just Michael Thomas. Um, and, and that's coming from a Buckeye, so you know it's real. Um, so in that case, Chris Godwin would actually probably move up to tier two. But even if you want to leave him in tier three, I'm not going to hate it. And I'm not going to hate it because the unbiased fantasy fan of, uh, that I am, and, you know, the advent fantasy football player, I've been fa- playing fantasy football longer than I've been covering any NFL team, uh, knows the perils of overbuying into a guy who's had one really good fantasy year. And even a guy like Chris Godwin that you guys all know I'm high on, and I've been high on since he joined the Buccaneers, and his ceiling just seems to be getting higher and higher every year. Let's be honest, he's got one year of consistent top-tier, top-shelf fantasy production. Maybe not necessarily his fault. Sitting behind Deshaun Jackson, Dirk Cutter, you know, kind of, uh, in my opinion, kind of restricting his ability to impact the team in his first couple seasons. Got it. I'll give him all those credits in the world. But I can, I can see why he would be Tier 3. But if you ask me, Mike Evans needs to be a Tier 3 guy too. And uh, I would be okay with Mike Evans being a Tier 3 guy as well, even though he's got all those accolades like you were pointing out, James. But the bottom line is I'm a little bit nervous with Mike Evans uh, and Tom Brady because Tom is known for getting the ball out quicker, which means usually shorter routes. Mike doesn't win uh, all the time really early in his routes. He's not really known. I mean, he does do some screens. He does do some quick slant type stuff. But defensive backs are going to kind of key in on that. And if defensive backs are playing up close or playing them tight, it's going to be harder for Tom to get him the ball versus the guys like Chris Godwin, like Scotty Miller, like Dario Gumbawale, like Ronald Jones. And I just kind of worry about, whether or not Mike Evans' targets and his receptions are really going to work out the way that we need them to, to make him higher than Tier 3. But those are kind of my initial thoughts. Just the disrespect to, to Mike Evans putting him in Tier 5 there is just – it's ridiculous to me. Yeah, to me it was a little surprising, and I, I understand kind of a little bit of the reserve as far as how inconsistent Mike Evans has been getting in the end zone, and that's a big part of their evaluation is they look for trends, they look for patterns. and you know, I, I don't think it's crazy. It might be crazy for me to say that I believe Chris Godwin is going to end up a top two fantasy wide receiver this year, especially if he takes as many snaps out of the slot as he did last year. We know Tom Brady likes to get that ball out of his hands quick. He's going to target the slot guy. If that's Chris Godwin, Godwin could be in for a massive, massive year. But to me, you can't discount what Mike Evans can do and has proven 
that he can do. I'm not going to put him behind somebody like DJ Moore or Kenny Galladay or Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, I can understand him being behind Hopkins. I'm with you. In a vacuum, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't agree with him being behind Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones, even though he's going to go down as one of the best receivers to ever play the game, I don't see that kind of production out of Julio at this stage in his career. Granted, you know, you're looking at a Falcons team that may be playing from behind a lot, so Julio's going to get an uptick in targets. That could help us fantasy value. Michael Thomas is going to be Michael Thomas, and then when Breeze ends up leaving, then he'll fall to where he really should be. I still stand firm that he's one of the most overrated wide receivers in the NFL. Not saying he's not good. Not saying he's not a, a, a number one receiver in this league, but he's not as good as he believes he is, given the fact that, you know, 90% of his targets come within 10 yards. It's a little ridiculous. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with them being a little hesitant on Mike Evans, given that we, we don't know exactly how Brady's going to utilize him. But I think when all is said and done, you're still going to see 1,000 yards out of Mike Evans. You're probably going to see six, seven, eight touchdowns out of him. But there's so many weapons in Tampa that I believe – although I don't agree with their tier ranking, I believe that, you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of guys getting in the end zone, and that ball has to be spread around between Mike and Godwin, as well as Gronk, Brait, OJ. You still have Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. You got Tyler Johnson, the rookie. We don't know how he's going to fit in. We probably won't see much out of him until about halfway into the year. But it was, it was a little jarring to see Mike Evans ranked so low. And to be honest, it was – you know, a little jarring to see Juju Smith-Schuster as low as he was because Juju's the guy in Pittsburgh. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit of a quote-unquote punishment for not having as big of a year last year as he did in 2018. But at the same time, there was no Roethlisberger throwing him the ball. You know, they were relying on parking attendants to come in and be quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I definitely look at those two guys as ones that are going to outperform their their tier-based draft rankings. And you know, if you have people in your fantasy league that are following this, this tier base, you might get a steal in Mike Evans if you take him above a DJ Moore or a Kenny Galladay or an Amari Cooper, just strictly based on the fact that people are going to think that he's going to fall. Now, Mike Evans' average draft position is the 302, so the second pick in the third round, that's still pretty high. Yeah, you got Calvin Ridley at the 405, DJ Chark at the 505, uh, Chris Godwin at the 2-3. So almost a full round ahead of Mike Evans, which is exactly where I think he should be. I think Chris Godwin should be a top three receiver off the board in fantasy this year. Yeah, Chris Godwin in the second round, the top of the second round is, is great value, I think, there. Uh, Mike Evans, I mean, if, if Mike Evans even gets into the third round, you need to take him. If he gets outside the third round, even better. Uh, I don't know. Juju, I get a little bit more. Juju's got a lot of great talent. Don't get me wrong. I like him a lot. But I wouldn't draft Juju Smith-Schuster. Honestly, like for me going to my fantasy draft, Juju Smith-Schuster is off the board for me just because I have no faith in Ben Roethlisberger to stay healthy at this point. I have no faith in any of the quarterbacks they have playing behind him. Like if the Pittsburgh Steelers had brought in Jameis Winston, that would put Juju Smith back on my board because at least I know if Ben Roethlisberger goes out, there's a gunslinger back there who wants to find his star players and get them involved. So I'll go forward with that because – if James throws an inter interception targeting Juju, that's not going to take points away from Juju. Um, but, yeah, without, without anybody really 
tangible behind Big Ben. I'm not even I'm not even touching Juju Smith-Schuster to be quite honest with you. Uh, and then Devontae Adams is really the last one I'm going to talk about. Like I just, uh, you know, I mean he's he's got points. You can't argue with that, I guess. I suppose, but I just I don't see where the confidence level comes uh, with him. I feel like it's a boom or bust week, uh, week in week out with him. Mm-hmm. You're either going to be really happy, you're going to be really let down. And I'm not spending a top, you know, three top three round pick on a guy that I, you know, have to worry about every single week. Like, if you're going to look at this guy and say, how does he fit in this matchup and do I need to replace him? He's not worth a, a pick in your first three picks as, as far as I'm concerned. I would agree wholeheartedly. And I'm, I'm one of the people that I don't believe in Devontae Adams. I don't understand the hype outside of just opportunity. You know, yeah, he's going to get the ball thrown to him. But we're talking about a guy that has, what, one – 1,000-yard season under his belt, and he was drafted the same year as Mike Evans. I realize he had two years where he had like 997 receiving yards, but you know he didn't come on until recently. I'm not taking Devontae Adams over Mike Evans because it didn't matter who Mike Evans had at quarterback. It didn't matter if it was Jameis. didn't matter if it was Fitzpatrick. didn't matter if it was Mike Glennon and Josh McCown. The guy goes out there and he gets 1,000 yards every year. The only question mark that Mike Evans has is how many times is he going to get in the end zone? Because it was an every other year thing for a while. He would have 12 and then four and then 12 and then four. And, you know, that was, that was the only question around Mike Evans. You know, he's going to get his targets. You know, he's going to get his receptions. You know, he's going to get his yards. That's my only sticking point with Mike Evans is how often is he going to be the guy in the end zone. If it's a first and goal situation and they're throwing the ball, is Brady looking for Mike or is he looking for Gronk? Is he hitting Godwin on a quick slant to get three yards after the catch and cross the goal line? That's that's the biggest question for me is how is this Buccaneers red zone offense going to work and who is going to be Brady's go-to guy when it comes to throwing the ball into the end zone? It's a Thursday edition here of the Locked On Bucks podcast, and we have ourselves a little voicemail that we're going to play. And David, uh, I got a feeling things are about to get ugly. <laughs> yeah, they are. James, David, it's your buddy Jim in South Carolina. You know, it's South Kakalaki, whatever. Hey, uh, uh, normally when I call in, it's usually a question for the two of you. Or it's for David normally. But James, this time it's your turn. And the reason I came up with this, or what reminded me to ask you, is because just about 10, 15 minutes ago, I sat down in front of my computer here on uh, July 6th, I think it is. Yes, it is Monday, July 6th. And I went to NFL.com. Just look perusing, you know. And I'm seeing a story with the headline, Patriots QB, Cam Newton, I'm getting tired of being humble. And if you go through and you read his, uh, his comment, it just made me laugh. Um, and it made me think of you, James Yarko, because I know what you think of him. So if you wouldn't mind just commenting on it, um, in case you're not uh, uh, familiar with it, uh, Newton, it says here, Newton posted two videos Sunday night on Instagram, shirtless, working out by the way. Uh, the caption of the post reads, note to self, you are great, you're the best, you're a dog, you're a monster, you're a lion. My conscience, never let them make you affect you. And his next line says, I'm getting tired of being humble now. And then it goes on uh, about him being humble and he's a killer and all this. I, it's just, 
it just cracked me up. So I was just hoping you wouldn't mind commenting on his, uh, I'm getting tired of being humble. Now, I, as you guys know, I live in South Carolina, but I'm close to Charlotte, which of course is in North Carolina. And trust me, there's nonstop coverage of the Panthers. And now I don't ever remember Cam Newton trying to act humble. So it really kind of cracked me up. Anyway, so if you guys can give your, your opinions on that, especially you, Jace. And I uh, hope you guys had a great 4th of July. I know I did. And uh, as always, go Bucks. David, do you want to take this one first, or do you just want me to unload? <clears throat> I just want to give props uh, to, to our buddy Jim there in, in South Carolina because he, like, he's he, – He's, he's given his question. He's setting up the question. He's given the details. But you can just hear it in his voice that he knows what the reaction is before he's even asking the question. So I just want to give credit for the framing that, that this question has because it's, it's going to be something special. Now, I talked about Cam on my episode with Bailey last week. I think that was Wednesday's episode. And if you missed that, feel free to go back and listen to my diatribe. But Cam Newton is the worst. Oh, my gosh. If, if Cam Newton has been humble, I don't want to see non-humble Cam Newton because I can't stand the humble one. He is the absolute worst. Ever since they lost the Super Bowl, and he pouted and walked off the post-game stage because he didn't want to deal with reporters. He has not been the same player. And there's probably a few reasons for that. Part of that is, physically, he hasn't been the same athlete. He's had injuries. And I'm not going to discount how talented he is, what a great athlete he is, But this dude's attitude and personality make him completely unbearable. I I saw the quote, and I shared it on my Facebook page. And my response was, humble, add self-awareness to Cam's list of weaknesses. I just, I don't understand on what planet this guy thinks he's been humble in any form of the word. Yeah, we, uh, we, we need to reach out to the EA Madden ratings adjuster and make sure that Cam Newton's Madden 21 awareness rating is all the way down to the floor. Uh, I, I don't know. Like the only, the only thing I can think of is this dude cannot be serious. Um, we just had a conversation in the beginning of the show, right, about loyalty, about owners, you know, coming to the players. And, again, I don't know exactly what they're saying to the NFLPA, but I imagine it's along the lines of, come on, guys, we're all in this together and, you know, one big NFL family and all this other stuff. Uh, listen, Cam Newton got more loyalty out of the Carolina Panthers than I think most people probably expected him to. Like, this dude has been running on flats for a while now. This guy has not been good. Uh, and it's not necessarily even his own talents. Like, that's, that's part of the thing that makes Cam Newton such a polarizing personality is as much dancing as he does, as much celebrating as he does, as much as he puts the spotlight on himself. Because it's – I think that's the important thing for people to understand because you and I are in the very same position with Cam Newton. You're a little bit more fired up about it. But 
I, I basically agree with your assessment of him. And, and it's, it's I'm, I'm fine with people celebrating, but when you're the quarterback of the team, celebrate your team, celebrate the team's success. You can celebrate a little bit on your, I don't mind the getting the first down and point forward and all that stuff. But even when you see time and time again, even when one of his teammates makes a great play and scores a touchdown, he turns the celebration into a focus on him, you know, and those are the kinds of things that I can't get down with. I don't care what position you play. I don't care what college you went to. You could be a Buckeye. I don't care. I'm not going to get down with that kind of behavior. And that's what he presents. But then he goes through these injuries. And then he goes through these, these throwing issues. These, his accuracy issues aren't getting any better. In fact, they're getting a little bit worse. The Carolina Panthers, Ron Rivera specifically, stuck with him. Like, there were Panthers people talking about, is it time to move on from camp? Is it too late to move for, on from camp? Should the Panthers have already moved on from Cam Newton? And the Panthers are still trying to stay with him. Now they got a new owner. They got a new coach. And, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You kind of see the writing on the wall. It's like, look, it's time to move on to the next era of Carolina Panther football led by Christian McCaffrey and now Teddy Bridgewater, and we'll see how this whole thing works out. But for him to kind of go on and say, you know, well, they, they lost confidence in me. They lost their loyalty or whatever it is. The Carolina Panthers have been loyal to Cam Newton as much as an NFL team is going to be loyal to Cam Newton. Now, at the end of the day, you know, they, didn't, they weren't loyal enough to say, man, you've been – you know, quite possibly the best player this franchise has ever had. So we're going to stick with you through the end of your career. We're going to continue to keep you on the payroll because that's how loyal we are, which is why these players laugh when the owners come back and say, hey, guys, we're in this together. Give us back some of this money. So it's a give and take there too, right? But let's not, like, let's not get it twisted here where, I mean, we've seen NFL teams. I mean, if you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just got rid of a quarterback who threw for over 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns because he's not good enough. He's good. He's not good enough whereas the Carolina Panthers stuck with Cam Newton well after he was far from good enough to lead this team. Yeah, he was all about dabbing all over the place when he was having an MVP caliber season, but, you know, can't jump on a fumble in the biggest game of his career because, God forbid, he actually get hit by somebody or fight for a loose ball for the team. No, 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 no. Cam had to watch out for Cam. That guy's the worst. The absolute worst. I've never, I don't think I've ever disliked an NFL player more than I dislike Cam Newton. And that's saying a lot because there have been some real gems out there. So with that, David, we are out of time. So please send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82 and at Bucks underscore Nation. Now that you're done with this, make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Football everywhere you can find your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to one another. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.